Welcome to Speaking in First Draft, a Girls Right Now bi-weekly interview podcast series featuring the current and next generation of storytellers. In this podcast, our community members share a draft of one of their works in progress or completed pieces and discuss both the writing process and what creative expression looks like to them. Speaking in First Draft is hosted by me, Catherine Destin, the editor-in-residence and Mentee alumnae of Girls Right Now. Girls Right Now is a New York City-based nonprofit with over 25 years of history, breaking down the barriers of gender, race, age, and poverty to mentor and train the next generation of writers and leaders for life. In this episode, you'll hear from mentor Tracy Morin as she talks to mentee Ava Fung, a high schooler from New York City, about her humorous nonfiction piece, Toothache. They talk about the importance of writing community and also how Ava has blended her stand-up comedy into her other creative work. This was such a fun conversation to listen to, and it might even make you feel sympathetic for a certain everyday object that most of us never give a second thought. The humble toothbrush. My name is Tracy Morin, and I'm a first-year mentor at Girls Right Now. I currently work as a magazine writer and editor, and in my creative work, I focus on personal essays and fiction with the occasional dabble in poetry, just for fun. I'm talking today with Ava Fung. Ava, please introduce yourself. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you for introducing me, Tracy. It's a really great pleasure to be a part of this podcast and introduce one of my pieces. Um, My name is Ava, as Tracy mentioned. I am a high school senior at Stuyvesant High School in New York City, um, and this is actually my first year a part of Girls Right Now, and I'm part of the Writing Works program, um, and it's really great having this experience to get me ready for college. So my interests include uh, stand-up comedy, track. I run track and field and of course, writing. Thanks, Ava. We're excited to learn more about you and your work. Let's move on to the excerpt you brought to share with us today. Um, What is the work you're going to be reading from? You can just give us a brief description of the project and then we'll dig deeper after you read. Yeah, of course. Um, The work that I'm going to be reading from is from my nonfiction piece called Toothache, sort of a story about um, my role in my family and how I've sort of felt um, a shift over time. Toothache. I was sitting on the toilet the other day, staring at my bathroom sink. There, I was admiring the glare of the soft light bulbs reflecting the shininess of the faucet, till my eyes went to the toothbrushes. I first glanced at the almost microscopically thin soft white bristles on my toothbrush, that are arranged and perfectly trimmed in a way that they mirror the grooves of an ocean wave. The way they sweep the grooves in my teeth, I'd imagined my teeth were experiencing something similar to a car wash. When the long rectangle towels hit the car with multicolored soap back and forth, attempting to slap away the bird poop stains and bug splatters. The handle is a pink polyproline with purple rubber grips on the side. The rubber is peeling off and splotchy in a spot where I normally rest my thumb as I brush my teeth, revealing the pink plastic underneath. My toothbrush sits alone in a short, chubby clay pot that I made at the painted pot. The 
pot is decorated with small pink and purple asymmetrical hearts, bordered with simple yellow stars, but made by the hand of an overly excited eight-year-old. It sits on the right side of the sink handle, only occupying one sixteenth of the pot. Slanted, its end pushing one side of the pot, and head just barely escaping the mouth of the other. My eyes glazed further right to the prestigious line of three Oral-B 9000 electric toothbrushes that my chubby pot sits next to. All the brushes so symmetrically lined, it's reminiscent of an army formation stand, elevated on their sleek black charging pedestals that illuminate a piercing blue light when charging. Their wide handles made of steel white metal alloys and dotted with complex silicone capped buttons or settings labeled fast, normal, and slow. Their heads, small and circular, with blood and blue and white bristles, lined the pattern of O's. I'd imagine the sensation of the brushes oscillating through the teeth, like a machine cutting through the black tartar and bacteria hiding in the ridges and gums. It seeks out any imperfection and douses it in fluoride, pressurizing it till it dissipates into a nothingness that'd be spit into a frothy white paste that would land in the sink pipelines. My feet were getting numb from sitting down so long, but my mind forced me to block that out, and that pins and needles sensation prodding at my feet. Why did my toothbrush look like that? Compared to the newest line of Oral-Bs, my toothbrush looked like last week's trash. No glowing stand, no AAA batteries, no black steel. It was cheap, nothing plastic. A bargain at the Rite Aid down the block, always on the weekly circular sale section, its blurry image plastered in the corner stuffed between hair ties, tampons, and floss, and labeled with a big red font that says $5.99 reduced price. While the only time the electric toothbrushes are reduced prices for holidays, like the Cyber Monday deals of Best Buy and Target, they're especially highlighted with the front spot at the header of the page accented with a corny phrase like, Brush into 2022 a better you. My mom's voice carried through the door from downstairs. Ava, what's taking you so long? Dinner's ready. It made me think of them sitting at a dining room table feasting on things that they love and I hate. A large five-story seafood tower with clams, oysters, and cocktail shrimps at the center. Whole ruby red lobsters on a platter. Their eyes glazed over by steam and claws tied down by rubber constraints. I thought of them sitting at the dinner table without me. I imagined them smiling together, my mom peeling the shrimp tails off while my dad's cracking the lobster shell between his bare hands, my brother dousing the lobster meat in butter saucer. A life without me, they could eat like that instead of the trash McDonald's that I always advocate for. I thought of the discussions they'd have at the table, indulging themselves in a moment, and the amount my mom made in her EPAs, what my dad thought about the political crisis in Romania, and my brother's mathematics course discussion on integrals. Topics you'd have to pay me to think about, they engage with such passion and intellect, firing back statements backed by the New York Times and college textbooks. I always thought about my dad taking pictures on his Canon, my mom showing my grandma on FaceTime The View, and my brother rattling off facts about catamaran boats on the Seattle Harbor at the Seattle Great Wheel, watching Seattle at sunset from 53 meters above. I'd be vomiting in the glass cabin shrinking away at the thought of the gondola breaking loose from this track and landing into the harbor. 
I thought of the refined life that they could live without me. Bzz, bzz, bzz. I glanced down at my phone on the floor. The text messages read, From Mom, Dad, and Sean. Dad, Ava, come downstairs. Your food is getting cold. Mom, we aren't starting dinner without you. Sean, get out of the bathroom, Ava. From the outside, observing the bathroom sink, you might think that the mechanical toothbrush is sad. You might think that it is lonely being surrounded by ones that don't look like it, don't work like it, don't think like it. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it wishes it could become the beautiful, shiny robots that it sits next to every day. It wishes it could become more efficient, more beautiful, more prestigious. But I know that it is. Thank you, Ava. I love that story. And I can't wait to talk more about it. Uh, first, I, I want to step back a little bit and talk about your background in writing. So when and why did you start writing? What got you into it to begin with? I think I started writing since I was very young. I used to like write stories about my my dog because I was like really interested into like his background and like what was the life that he lived before like coming into our family. And I don't know, I just sort of always been interested in writing, always been interested in stories. My dad used to always like read me stories every day. He used to like come up with stories to read to me at night. And I always thought that that was like a really powerful gift to like have the thoughts and the creativity to entertain someone. Mm. Yes, I really identify. Some of my favorite memories when I was a little girl was my mom reading to me. (laughs) (laughs) And so now that you're a little older, how have you pursued writing? You mentioned that you do stand-up comedy. That sounds amazing. I'd love to hear about it. And then you also, from what I understand, do some other writing in terms of uh, your school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the stand-up comedy thing, I started that in like my freshman year. Um, It was sort of just like my bio teacher was like, oh, like there's this cool new program and they're coming to our school and you could just start doing uh, like stand-up comedy. And I was like, oh, like I've always watched like comedians on YouTube and like the Netflix specials of comedians like Ali Wong. And I always felt like that was something so interesting how they could take mundane moments and like narrations in their head and like entertain other people with them so that was definitely something i really liked because it was taking my everyday experiences and like even if they're a little sad you can make them funny and have other people laugh with you um and i also do some writing at my school i am a features writer for our school newspaper the spectator she's basically doing interviews like this with um people around the school at getting student opinions on issues like um the new like classes they're taking or changes in the school system itself Wow. So you seem like you have a lot of different skills. Um, you know, you, you work with the newspapers, stand of comedy, and obviously what you've read to, to us today is creative nonfiction. So those are all really different types of writing. Are, do you find that 
you're able to take some of the skills from one area and use them in others. For example, you just mentioned uh, stand-up comics taking these sort of mundane details. And I think you've done such a great job of that with the toothbrushes. Um, so do you feel like they have overlaps in your writing, even though they're so different? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I really like the connection that you made between like the mundane, which is sort of like just the toothbrush, the idea itself and connecting it uh, to something like my whole family situation. Uh, I feel like I definitely do take some skills from, like, stand-up comedy in particular because it's really nice to have, like, this piece for me, Toothache, was sort of a piece that could have been really heavy, but I really try to keep it light and keep it funny and, like, use a toothbrush, the silly object that we all use every single day, and just connect it to something bigger and keep it um still like a little jokey in between Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely you read my mind because i was gonna say exactly that um when i read toothache i loved reading the story and i loved how it was about such a mundane everyday subject that we all have experience with and how you use those to tell a much larger story about feeling out of place in a family uh, and perhaps maybe feeling out of place in life as a whole i think we all really can relate to that feeling for sure Mm-hmm. Um, what inspired this piece? Uh, it, because it is such an amazing way to demonstrate these these larger subjects. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think it was really just looking at my toothbrush. I I used to like be really obsessed with like teeth hygiene or whatever because I had like. I had to wear braces for a long time and I had to wear like this headgear thing to correct my like underbite. So I like had a phase in my life where I was like really obsessed with toothbrushes and my parents would always be like, Ava, like I'll get you this new toothbrush. Like you don't need to use this cheap one. Like you can be like us. It's really nice. It's like really fast and your teeth will be nice and that's what you want. But I kept on saying like no like I really like my old toothbrush it works fine like I don't need anything fancy and I think that conversation that I like we would have any time around Christmas time it would sort of inspired this piece and was like wow like they, they want me to do something but like they want me to be something be like them but it was like no like I'm fine being with this <laughs> plastic toothbrush yeah, absolutely. Did did you sit down to write this piece already knowing exactly what you wanted to say? Or do you usually have that experience when you write? Or do you find that it's surprising? Like sometimes you write, you sit down to write something and it turns into something else or maybe goes places that you didn't expect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely writing is such a, such a crazy slope. I feel like it's once you get that idea for me though, it's like, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like the brainstorming is the hardest part, but once I get the idea, it's sort of like very linear and I'm able to like follow it all the way through. Um, so for this piece, it wasn't really like a, a spiral or anything. I felt like 
it was a toothbrush and it was the idea that um a feeling like you weren't specifically meant for this sort of group or like not belonging to this to my family and so i didn't really have like a different thought process going from the beginning to the end so it changed a little bit um especially with the text message um part portion of the piece um that sort of came on a little later when that actually happened to me and i thought like that would be an appropriate place to put it in there and i love the text message piece because on the page it kind of breaks up the writing a little bit but it also shows us the different personalities of the family in like a really short space that's so effective yes especially my brother's text get out of the bathroom sort of just like picks you up <laughs> <laughs> yes any of us with siblings and a shared bathroom a hundred percent we all get that yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um now have you always embraced sharing your work with other people like you talked about sharing it with girls right now is that something that you find is intimidating i know when i was a younger writer it, it at first was a little scary to share my work with other people um but then I became, I came to love the process. Um, so what's been your experience with sharing your work and getting feedback from others in that way and critiques? <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, I think always like sharing writing, especially nonfiction writing is really scary because it is essentially a part of you. It's part of your feelings and um, to share them with a group is definitely like a different type of opening up and feeling vulnerable um but it was i don't know i felt oddly really support i mean not even oddly but just really supported by the girls right now community it's a team like a group of really really excellent writers like i love my mentor and she always like gave me she gives me the confidence to share pieces like this um with other people but yeah i mean definitely it's always scary to share my work but i personally love when people share their work like literally it's such a huge inspiration to me like no matter what the piece is i always like really love getting examples and hearing what other people think and like their own thought processes so i try to think of it like that if i'm ever scared i'm thinking like there's never been a piece that i heard out loud that i like was like what's the point of hearing this? Like, there's always something meaningful you can get from another person's piece. And I hope that by sharing this piece, another person can find meaning in the piece or just find meaning in the bravery of saying it out loud. Mm, I love that. Yes, absolutely. It's always such a great experience to get inspiration from others. And then also when we read others and give critiques, we can learn so much. So it's yeah. such an important part, you know, of developing our own style and our own voice and really getting those skills. Yeah, it's been such a wonderful process for me too as a mentor and i can assure you that i feel a lot of times i learn more from my mentee <laughs> than than she learns from me really? um yeah, so 
Yeah, everybody, I feel like we're all learning from each other and getting so much inspiration from everybody involved. Because like you said, everybody's really talented and really inspiring and creative. I just love to see what everyone's doing out there. Um, what writers inspire you or what are your own goals or aspirations for writing? And I'd love to hear if you have college plans. Oh, okay. A uh, few of the writers that inspire me, I love Ali Wong. I think she's really clever. Um, and the way that she can tell her stories, I found really inspirational. Writing goals, I think I definitely want to make more pieces like this, um, more pieces that are nonfiction and do help me like express myself to the world and connect with other people in this way. And I feel like this podcast is like a really great step forward. I hope that like I can listen to other people's stories too, and this can inspire other people to share their pieces and I can learn from them. Um, college plans, not, I don't have any college plans yet, but definitely going to college. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to add or where can people find more of your work if anywhere? And then we can, um, close out. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, uh, yes, it has definitely been a pleasure. I love talking to you, Tracy, um, to find more of my work. I'm pretty sure you can find it on the Stuyvesant Spectator slash Ava Fung. Um, and there's also on the Girls Right Now website. Um, and anything else I'd like to add? I think thank you everyone for listening in. And I hope that this, I hope that this piece, um, that you can either relate to it or gain some inspiration from it. Um, but thank you regardless. Yes, I loved, loved listening to it. And thank you so much for your time today, Ava, and for sharing your process and your work with us. It's so brave of you. And thank you all uh, to the listeners who have tuned in. I'm really excited to hear more from the series personally as we explore different writing projects from the Girls Right Now community. So much talent. And I know we'll hear wonderful things to come. Thank you to Ava and Tracy for sharing their work, their thoughts, and their conversation with us. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us in this episode of Speaking in First Draft. Check back bi-weekly on Wednesdays for a new episode, and make sure you subscribe to Speaking in First Draft wherever you get your podcasts. Much like the drafts in these episodes, we're just starting out, and we'd greatly appreciate any feedback you have. Leave us a review wherever you listen to this episode, and tell your friends. This episode is a production of Girls Right Now. It was produced and edited by Vani Kura, and it was recorded by Tracy Morin. Speaking in First Draft is hosted by me, Catherine Destin. See you next time, and happy writing.